15. And let's read from verse 25 to verse 34. From verse 25 to verse 34. So we start with verse 25. What shall they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not? If the dead rise not at all? Uh, this is not a passage which should be understood as teaching the following. My grandfather, let us say, uh, died uh, without being saved and is therefore either in the torments of hell or, as some people suppose, purgatory, and I can be baptized for him, and this will uh, raise him up into heaven, or at least diminish from and shorten his sufferings until such time in the future as he is allowed to enter heaven. Baptism for uh, uh, the dead. Uh, some people uh, believe that such a thing is true, no grounds in the Bible whatsoever, and this passage should not be understood in that way. How can we understand it? Last time we saw uh, that uh, there are several interpretations, several possible ways of understanding what is being said. Paul could be referring to people who are pagans, who baptize for the dead, in the sense that I just mentioned, and he says... Look, even those pagans think that there is something beyond this life. If you believe that there is no resurrection, then Christ did not rise. Everything is worthless and vain, and we are of all men most miserable, and we have no hope concerning things to come. Well, even the pagans have some hope. So that is one way of understanding things. Uh, why should you be baptized? Another way of understanding things, when part of what baptism represents is a resurrection. We are rising with Christ. Now someone might say we are rising with Christ spiritually. I agree that uh, the spiritual resurrection part is prominent. But one can also say that the physical resurrection part is present. That just as Christ rose from the dead physically, one day the believer will also rise from the dead. So, if you don't believe that, then why should you be baptized? Why should you take a body which is going to die, and that's the end of it, and with that body, why should you undergo an ordinance which says, in a certain way, that that body will rise again? So you're kind of contradicting yourself. Uh, baptism for the dead with a view towards the dead uh, motivated by a desire to see loved ones, saved loved ones who have gone on before this is uh, another possible meaning baptized in the place of those who uh, uh, died uh, the ranks of believers are thinned by death the ranks of believers here. Those who go to glory, in some sense, are replaced by others who come to know the Lord and, to, and who come 
to declare their faith publicly through uh, baptism. But if death is a defeat and it is the end of everything, why join a defeated army? Why replace people who are, in some sense, the victims of a delusion whose cause is a lost cause, worthless, vain, meaningless? So this is another possible uh, uh, interpretation. Uh, there are some who are baptized for the dead, baptized being affected by and influenced by the testimony of those uh, who are uh, gone. Many people think that to some extent uh, Paul the Apostle, then Saul of Tarsus, um, that he was influenced to some extent by what Stephen said and did by Stephen's testimony in word and deed leading up to his martyrdom. But why should I be affected by someone who is now gone? The fact that he has gone into nothingness just shows that what he believes, or should I say what he believed, was not correct, was not legitimate, was not uh, meaningful. Why should we be baptized for the dead? Uh, one last interpretation, the sixth of the interpretations which I'm uh, presenting. Take the word baptized to be figurative, to be metaphorical, and the word dead to refer to those who are spiritually dead. Now, baptized, uh, remember uh, the Lord Jesus saying, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And also, can you be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Immersion could be thought of as being immersed in trouble, in hostility, in enmity, in difficulty and hardship. Why should we endure difficulty, hardship, persecution for the sake of those who are spiritually dead, for the sake of those who are unsaved, to deliver the message to them, if this message is what is meaningless, vain, worthless, false. And so, there are several ways that the passage can be uh, understood apart from the idea that Paul is endorsing baptism for uh, the dead in the most direct and straightforward manner practiced by people here and there, notably, I think, in our day and time, maybe the most well-known group, to the best of my knowledge, uh, Mormons who practice baptism for, uh, for the dead. Now, other people practice other forms of this uh, idea. How so? Traditionalists who believe, for instance, that a lost loved one, uh, a loved one who's passed away is in the fires of purgatory, they don't get baptized for that person, but they say a mass for that person. And so, in some sense, the idea is not very different. Uh, the idea is not uh, very different. Uh, why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Why should I risk my life for a message which is false? Again, keep in mind uh, the sequence that he has worked out uh, in the chapter up to this point. What is that sequence? You say that the believer does not rise. 
But if the believer does not rise, then Christ did not rise. Alright? Because the believer's rising is linked to the rising of Christ. قيامه المؤمن هي مرتبطه بقيامه المسيح واذا المؤمن لا يقوم فاذا المسيح لا يقوم. And if Christ does not rise, then the faith is meaningless, false, worthless, vain, and so on. So, when you say that the believer does not rise, you are therefore undermining the faith. I'm tinsof al-Iman. Is a jaz al-Tabir bin awalu la akhru. Is al-Mu'min la yakum, fa al-Masih la yakum, wa is al-Masih la yakum, fa izan kill al-Ussa, kill al-Ussa batli, kill al-Ussa hkayi, kill al-Ussa ghair sahiha. Why should I risk my life, live the jazif bihayati, for a message which is false, liri sali ghair sahiha? Look with me at some passages that speak of the sufferings, the difficulties which Paul faced, starting with Acts chapter 9 and verse 16, the Lord saying to Ananias, I will show him, Acts 9:16, how great things he must suffer for my sake. I will show him what he must suffer, great things for my sake. First uh, Corinthians and uh, chapter 4 and from verse 11 to uh, verse uh, 13. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. قَضَارَتْ الْعَالَمُ وَحُسَالَتْ كُلْ شَيْءٍ 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians 1, 8. Uh, I would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, the notable passage concerning uh, the sufferings of Paul. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one, thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger, and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Galatians chapter 5 and verse uh, 11. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. 
Remember that much of the persecution in those early times came from people who were Jews. And if Paul had accommodated them by accepting their false teaching that circumcision saves, then he would have spared himself much persecution. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11. Second Timothy 3.10 But you have fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered uh, me. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 17, he speaks uh, about being delivered out of the mouth of uh, the lion. Why suffer? Why endure persecution if the message is not uh, true? Uh, if the message is uh, not true. In fact, the willingness of the apostles to suffer and to die for the message is a very important matter. Among other things, it tells us that it is practically impossible that they were deceivers. It tells us that it's practically impossible that they stole the body of Christ from the tomb and later on claimed that he had risen. Because who will die for a lie? Uh, few will die for the truth. And who will die? And a group of people uh, for uh, a lie. Uh, why are we in jeopardy uh, every hour? Every hour. Uh, such was the ministry of Paul and his faithfulness. And um, in a very sacrificial manner, we might say, we, we could say that he stood in the very front ranks and uh, was in jeopardy so much of uh, the time. Uh, so much uh, of, uh, of the time. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Now here the, the first part of the verse, uh, up to I die daily actually, um, the sentence seems to be a little bit complicated and is rendered, is rendered in slightly different ways in different translations. So let me read a few uh, translations. I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Another translation. I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. I affirm, by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Uh, another translation changes the order and says, I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you, 
in Christ Jesus our uh, Lord. Uh, in Christ Jesus our Lord. I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. Uh, so these are various uh, renderings. Uh, there is the element of boasting in the Corinthians as the fruit of his labor. But this boasting should not be thought of as a sinful boasting, as a self-serving, self-promoting, self-aggrandizing uh, boasting. I boast in you in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what he is saying is that the believers in Corinth, the church in Corinth, their existence uh, confirmed uh, that the Lord was working. And that this working did take place, of course, through Paul and his ministry, but others worked as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Who's Paul? Who's Apollos? These are ministers, servants, by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. The one who planted is nothing, neither the one who watered, but God who gives the uh, increase. So there is this element of boasting, but it is uh, a, a boasting in Christ. Uh, in chapter 15, what did he say in verses 9 and 10? He said, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain because I labored more abundantly than all of them. But not me. The grace of God that is uh, in uh, me. Uh, that is uh, in me. Uh, so, there is his labor, but at the same time, uh, this labor is in uh, Christ. Uh, Paul and Apollos serve, God gives the uh, increase. Who worked among the Philippians? It's interesting Paul could have said, you know, you guys are lucky that I came over from uh, the uh, area of uh, Troas uh, to Macedonia. And you guys are lucky that I was willing to work among you. And you guys are lucky that I was willing to be scourged and imprisoned and I've done a whole bunch of things in Philippi. And I'm well known there. Be confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. And also in chapter 2 of Philippians, what does he say? He says, it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. How does he speak uh, of uh, the Philippians? Not as their big boss, uh, not as 
the chief executive officer of a company and they are somehow beneath him. What he says is, from the very first, you have been what? You have been... You have been defenders of the gospel. You have been engaged in the defense and confirmation of the gospel as partakers, as partners, as co-workers, partakers of my uh, uh, grace. So, when Paul uh, says uh, that uh, I boast in you in Christ Jesus, uh, I think we should not understand this as being exactly the same as King Nebuchadnezzar looking upon the city of Babylon and saying, this is the great city which I have built with my mighty arm for my glory and for my majesty. All right? It is not the uh, same uh, thing. I affirm you could take it to be, I swear by, my boasting in you in Christ Jesus. And uh, one commentator says, I think it's an interesting idea, people swear by that which is of great importance. People by, swear by that which is of ultimate uh, importance. And uh, one of the things that was so very important to Paul was that people hear the word of Christ, receive it, and believe it. Uh, receive it and uh, uh, believe it. Uh, I swear, I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ uh, Jesus. Uh, I die daily. And notice that there is uh, a boasting. In our old version, it's translated rejoicing. And there's also dying daily. Uh, there's also hardship. Uh, there's also hardship. Uh, remember how the Lord Jesus said, John chapter 16 and verse 21, uh, that a woman uh, in travail, uh, uh, what does she have? She has pain. She has sorrow. She has a difficult time. But when she is delivered of uh, the child, she doesn't remember the difficult time for the joy that a man is born into the world. And so there is the dying daily, but there is also uh, the boasting and uh, affirming, the regarding uh, uh, their faith, and all that was involved, every effort and every difficulty involved in de delivering the message to them, this is something very valuable. Uh, this is something uh, very uh, valuable. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus uh, endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. من أجل السرور الموضوع أمامه احتمل uh, he despised uh, the shame. Sufferings of this present time, the Bible says, are not worthy to be compared with the, jo with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Alam al-zaman al-hadir la tuqaran bil-majd al-atid an yustalan fina. I affirm uh, to you, I affirm uh, to you, 
that I die daily. That I die daily. And we could think of this statement in uh, two ways. First of all, uh, that he faced the danger the de of death on a very regular, indeed on a daily uh, basis. Uh, when he spoke to the pastors of the church of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, he spoke of the lying in wait of the Jews, ta'amur al-Yahud, taban al-Ghayr mu'mineen, li-qatlu. And he also told them in Acts chapter 20, I'm going to Jerusalem. I do not know what awaits me there. رايح إلى أورشليم. أبعرف شو بينتظرني إلا أنه روح القدس يشهد أنه قيود وشدائد تنتظرني. The Holy Spirit witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions await me. And remember how when he was in Jerusalem and had already been taken prisoner and unjustly so. Remember that there were 40 people, the Bible tells us, who did what? Who came together and took an oath upon themselves that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. That's being very popular. <laughs> uh, I dare say, I dare say that if we knew if we thought that there was one person who said that about us, that we would be worried by it. That it would be difficult, it would be a challenge. Forty people. And they went to the high priests, to the chief priests, and, and the chief priests were willing to help them so that others uh, uh, were also uh, part of this cause, the 40 in particular had taken this oath upon them. Of course, the Bible doesn't tell us what uh, happened to them when uh, they were not able to uh, kill Paul. I think somehow they figured out a way to break that oath. <laughs> um, anyway, um, uh, what do you mean uh, in the same uh, part of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 21? Uh, what do you mean to weep and break my heart? Because I'm willing not just to be bound, but also to die for the Lord Jesus in Jerusalem. And I'm said, لَيْسَ فَقَطْ أَنْ أُوثَقْ بَلْ أَنْ أَمُوتْ مِنْ أَجْلِ الرَّبِّ يَسُورَ الْمَسِيَةِ Romans 8 and verse 36, quoting the Old Testament, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. من أجلك نمات كل النهار. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And so, I die daily, facing regularly, daily, constantly and continuously the possibility of martyrdom, the possibility of laying down his life for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the Lord Jesus. I die daily could be thought of in a spiritual way. Because what does the Bible uh, tell us? It tells us, if a man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross Take up his cross. Cross is an instrument of death. Uh, 
self needs to die, the old man needs to die, الإنسان العتيق, that الطبيعة الخاطي needs to be put to death. If you save your life, you will lose it. If you lose your life for Christ's sake, you will save it. A man, if he comes after me, Luke chapter 14, he must hate mother, father, and his own life also. يُبْغِدْ حَيَاتُ أَيْضًا وَأَلَّا لَا يَكُونْ تِلْمِيذِي And whosoever does not bear his cross وَمَنْ لَا يَحْمِلْ صَلِيبَهُ وَيَدْبَعْنِي مَنُّ تِلْمِيذِي He is not my disciple. One thing you lack, the Lord Jesus said to the rich young man. And the Bible says in the book of Mark that looking at him, Jesus loved him. نَظَرْ إِلَيْهُ وَأَحَبَّهُ And he said to him, he said to him, you lack this one thing. You've got to leave all that you have. You don't realize it. It has a hold on you. It's controlling you. You have to set it aside. Give it to the poor and come and follow. Come and follow me. Um, I die uh, daily. Uh, look at Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, a, a very personal letter and tells us a good deal about uh, Paul's sufferings and challenges and difficulties. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and beginning with verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. In our mortal uh, flesh. Uh, I die daily. As sure as you are believers, as sure as uh, the Lord has worked in you through me. I affirm this truth to you that I die daily. I face uh, death. Or I bring death upon the old man. I mortify the old man. Umit al-insan al-qadim. Either way, he is speaking of something that is difficult. And why do something that is difficult for no reason, for a cause which is false, vain, worthless, meaningless. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me if the dead rise not? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we uh, die. If after the manner of uh, men, if after the manner of men, humanly speaking, if I adopt the perspective of men, if I adopt the viewpoint of men, if I adopt the motives of other men, then why should I face any kind of opposition or hostility? Why should I deal with any hardship or difficulty if I want to think in a human way? 
uh, in a human way. I have fought with beasts at uh, Ephesus. Now, if you take this in a direct sense, you would say that Paul was thrown to the lions uh, in Ephesus. Now, obviously, since he's speaking about it, he was delivered, and one would assume that that would be through a miraculous intervention by God, something like Daniel's experience. Is this actually the meaning when he says, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus? Most people believe not likely, not uh, likely. Uh, if Paul had been thrown to the lions uh, or some other, uh, some other similar uh, uh, beasts of prey, and if the Lord had delivered him miraculously, wouldn't this have been mentioned in the book of Acts or in Paul's writing some other place, including 2 Corinthians 11, where he listed all the things that he had faced, the difficulties and the hardships, and I was beaten by the Jews and scourged and, 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 and stoned and, and shipwrecked and all of that. Not mentioned. Uh, uh, not mentioned. Also, as a Roman citizen, Paul was not likely to be punished by being thrown to the lions. Now, there's no absolute guarantee because here and there some ruler of some district or province might have done whatever he wanted and somehow covered it up or got away with it. But a Roman citizen had certain privileges which were generally observed and one of them was that in case of a death sentence, he would be given what was regarded as a merciful death, namely death by beheading. So, Paul being a Roman citizen, would he have been thrown to uh, the uh, lions? Uh, another commentator says that if a Roman citizen was thrown to the lions, it would have meant what? It would have meant that thereafter he would not have been regarded as a Roman citizen. In other words, by throwing him to the lions, you're somehow saying that uh, he did such a terrible thing, he committed such grand treason, his crime was so awful, it was almost like you were depriving him of his Roman citizenship, and a manifestation thereof was that you would throw him to the lions. But that meant that if he somehow survived being thrown to the lions, he would still have been deprived of his citizenship. And we know that he did not, he was not deprived of his citizenship because later on in Jerusalem he asserted that he was a Roman and he got out of being examined with scourging. Uh, also, he asserted his Roman citizenship when he appealed to Caesar. So the fact that his Roman citizenship was still there, intact, uh, 
كمان هيدا الشيء بدل انه الكلام مش حرفي that the expression of fighting with beasts is not literal and there is precedent في سوابق لكلام من هالنوع انه يكون مجازي in Greek writing fighting with beasts is you can find here and there Uh, in the writing of the time, you can find references uh, which use this phrase in a figurative way. So I fought with beasts at Ephesus. Uh, he's not talking about lions and tigers and bears. I fought with beasts, most likely, is referring to Uh, the enmity, the hostility which he faced in uh, Ephesus, and notably the riot. Remember the riot? Uh, Acts chapter 19, let's go back there. Uh, <clears throat> Acts chapter 19 and beginning with verse uh, 23. Uh, Acts 19:23. at that time there arose no small stir about that way, that is about the faith. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines, little silver statues for uh, Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation, and said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that there are no gods which are made with hands. So that not only this, our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised, and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worships. Well, if all Asia and the world worships her, then what's the problem? Um, and when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana or Artemis, in Arabic, that's the word that's used, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater, the theater of uh, Ephesus, which, uh, uh, which exists to this day. The temple of Diana is, uh, is gone, but the theater of Ephesus is still there. Uh, And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, uh, the disciples permitted him not. And certain of the chief of Asia, who were his friends, sent unto him, beseeching him that he would not venture into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion. The greater part knew not for what reason they were come together. They drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. Alexander beckoned with the hand and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice for about the space of two hours, cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Uh, a mob. Uh, a riot. Someone has defined a mob as a body of people without a head. Uh, 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 the town clerk quieted them and basically rebuked them for what uh, they were doing and dismissed them, sent them home. Uh, sent them home. Uh, but these people had gotten a hold of two of the co-workers of Paul, Gaius and Aristarchus, and Paul wanted to go to the place, 
and stand before them and whatever happened would have happened, you could have said, you might say, and I think you can understand that he didn't want some of his co-workers to suffer who knows what, while he himself somehow stood aside. But others told him not, not to go. The disciples didn't allow him. The chief men of Asia, I have fought with wild beasts at Ephesus. I have fought with wild beasts at, uh, at Ephesus. So remember, go to chapter 16, something that um, we don't emphasize that much, uh, uh, perhaps, but it's good to keep it in mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Where was 1 Corinthians written from? 1 Corinthians was written from Ephesus, most likely. Uh, from the city of Ephesus, uh, which is basically across the Aegean Sea, uh, Corinth, uh, the city of Corinth on the Greek side, the city of Ephesus on what we would call today the Turkish side. Uh, in those days they were called Achaia and Asia. And uh, Asia. Uh, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door is open to me, but there are many adversaries. There are many enemies. Wild beasts at uh, Ephesus. Um, if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, if, if my only motivations are human common motivations, then actually I shouldn't be doing this. Actually, I sh shouldn't be doing this. Uh, what does uh, it profit me if uh, the dead rise not? Uh, again, keep in mind, he is already established. If the dead rise not, Christ did not rise, the faith is meaningless. All right? There is no hope. We are, of all men, most miserable. Uh, one commentator uh, uh, makes the interesting statement, resurrection means endless hope. No resurrection means a hopeless end. <laughs> uh, endless hope uh, or a hopeless uh, end. Let us drink, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. For tomorrow we die. Now let us eat and drink. Now, I think a good number of you today have already done some eating and drinking, and those who haven't will do some eating and drinking before long. Let us eat and drink. The statement is not to be understood as, you know, eating and drinking is wrong, and so we should die of thirst or starvation. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die, means what? means that this is the focus of life. This is the meaning of life. This is the reason and purpose of life. There's nothing else other than material things. There is nothing spiritual. Uh, there is no life after this life of any kind. Eat and drink. It is the purpose. Uh, again, I had a friend who uh, uh, said, people think that we eat to live. The truth is that we live to eat. <laughs> uh, that we live uh, to eat. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we uh, die. Go back to the book of Isaiah. This is where uh, this same statement is uh, mentioned. Uh, Isaiah 22 and verse 13. And behold, 
joy and gladness. If you go to the verse before, it says that the Lord of hosts called them, in essence, to repentance, to weeping and to mourning. And what happened? Rather than weeping and mourning, rather than repentance, joy and gladness, slaying of oxen, killing of sheep, eating of flesh and drinking wine, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. Uh, for tomorrow we uh, shall die. Look at Isaiah 56 and verse 12. Somewhat similar statement. Uh, Come, say they, I will fetch wine, and we will fetch ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. And, uh, of course, the same idea is expressed in the words of the parable of the rich fool, and that's in the book of Luke, chapter 12, Luke chapter 12 and verse 19, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry, eat, drink, and uh, be merry. Uh, Let us eat and drink, for uh, tomorrow uh, we, uh, we die. Uh, uh, for tomorrow uh, we die. Uh, there is a similar statement. Uh, uh, no, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Let me uh, uh, start that uh, sentence again. Uh, if, if there is no hope of uh, a resurrection, then, like I said, the message is undermined. Nothing is left. There are people who say, it's okay if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. His message is still important. He is still a great moral teacher. He teaches us to love one another and to forgive one another and to be kind one to another. And after all, this is the most important thing. The most important thing is morality. The most important thing is ethics. The most important thing is how I treat Sister Renee and how she treats Sister Vera, how Sister Vera treats me. It's not very important whether Jesus was God, whether he rose from the dead, whether he performed miracles. Those things are not, not very important. Uh, we can say that people in those days, they thought that such things were true. We realize that they're not. But, but that's not the important thing. We've seen this before, especially uh, between verses 12 and 19. Paul doesn't think that way. Uh, Paul uh, uh, says, if it's not true, then it's a bunch of nonsense. And eat and drink. Because tomorrow you die. Uh, because uh, tomorrow uh, uh, you die. Uh, if the resurrection is uh, not uh, true. Uh, we stand in jeopardy every hour. We are willing to face difficulty and hardship because of the resurrection of Christ, because of the truth of uh, the uh, gospel. We are willing to take the message to others and suffer hardship because the resurrection is true, because of the truth of the message of the gospel. Uh, We are willing to fight with beasts at Ephesus, to face difficulties and hardship because the resurrection is true, because of the 
truth of the message of the gospel. Don't be deceived. Don't think that somehow you can slice off this part of the message and say, oh, it doesn't affect other things. Uh, don't be deceived by people around you, by things in the world, by, by false teachings, by uh, what people say. Uh, don't uh, be uh, deceived. Uh, we stand in jeopardy every hour. We share the message of the gospel with others. We fight with wild beasts at Ephesus. And all of this is because there is a resurrection. All of this is because there is a uh, resurrection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your servant, Paul. We thank you because he stood for the truth, defended uh, the truth, stood against error and false teaching. We thank you, Lord, because he said to the Corinthians, that they should stand with him, affirming, believing, and understanding what is true. And because Christ rose and the believer shall rise, because the message is true, we should be willing to stand in jeopardy every hour. We should be willing to share the message. We should be willing to fight with wild beasts at Ephesus. Our life should not consist in the abundance of things which perish. Our life should not be about eating and drinking and tomorrow we die. Our life should be, our meat should be to do the will of our Lord who sent us to finish his work. We thank you because we are not of all men most miserable, for now is Christ risen from the dead and is become the first fruits of them that sleep. In his name we pray and for his glory. Amen.